Good day, everyone, and welcome to my favorite time sports from the basement NBA show for October 3rd. I'm BVA. Today, we're going to talk about the 76ers and their health. We're going to review some of the weekend's games. So let's get started. Focusing on our lead topic tonight, the 76ers and their health. The 76ers this week announced that Markel Fultz, the number one pick in this past summer's draft, is out indefinitely and will not be reevaluated for another three weeks. Now, this comes on the heels of a strange few weeks of back and forth with Fultz's team and with the Sixers. In the preseason, we all saw that Fultz just did not look right. His shooting motion was off, his scoring was off, he really just looked out of it. And coming into the season, Fultz couldn't even extend his arms, couldn't lift him over his head, makes his free throw shooting look uh, funny, to say the least. Fultz has changed his shooting motion in the offseason, we all thought, you know, something he claimed at the time was part of his training work with the Sixers. And then last Wednesday, acknowledging the injury and announcing a three-game outage, the Sixers went on the offensive against Fultz, saying the outage was due to shoulder soreness, and the shoulder was not injured prior to the shooting change, and in fact, the shooting change was Fultz's choice, not something brought on by the Sixers. Fultz responded by saying that his shoulder, frankly, had been injured, but also noted that there was never any conscious effort to change the shooting motion on his part. Now, Fultz is a bright star. He's a potential franchise point guard for a team. They traded to get him with that number one pick. Really so much talent. But now there are questions about the Sixers, about their ability to manage talent, and really about their ability to bring him up through the system. But this is not the first time this has happened. Ben Simmons' situation a year ago comes to mind. Ben Simmons, another top pick, suffered what was called a Jones fracture during training camp. Public was given a timeline of three to four months for his return. And February, after five months, the Sixers announced that Simmons would miss the entire rest of the season after a scan of the foot showed it had not healed as anticipated. Now, that was weird because that came after a January statement said that the foot had completely healed and he would be back before the All-Star break. Joel Embiid, another ma- example of mismanagement when it comes to injuries. Embiid suffered a minor tear to his meniscus last year, but the Sixers chose not to announce it until a reporter broke the story. Now, if you know about Embiid, you know that he missed his entire first season, similar to Simmons, similar to now potentially Fultz, and so there was a little bit of a history there. Now, last year, once they reported this injury, the team announced it was a knee bruise, keeping him day-to-day, but they told Embiid the truth, that he was going to miss three to four weeks minimum. During the injury, Embiid continued to practice, told the press he was ready to play long before he was allowed to take the floor. Sixers have been a soap opera from their process to uh, engaging draft picks and characters to their front offense changes. And those changes, you know, part of why Sam Hinkie, the architect of the tanking plan that got them these picks was fired was transparency. Does a team have to tell the public everything that's going on? Of course not. But for a team like the 76ers that have purposely tanked for years, it's a good idea. You know, frankly, they need all the support they can get. So here we are. For Fultz, now it's a longer timeline. We know that he's not going to be even reevaluated for another three weeks. For the Sixers, they continue to waddle and waste potentially the growth of Embiid and Simmons with no number three. This team is good. The addition of Reddick and some other pieces have given them hope this year of cracking the playoffs. Can they do that without Fultz? Maybe. But this is the year that they could make a run in a week east, so let's do it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with a rundown of this weekend's games.
Welcome back. Let's take a look at the action on the court from this weekend. And we go to Friday, Thunder at the Timberwolves. Butler back after a two-game absence due to illness. Jeff Teague, summer pickup, has worked well with the team. Sets up Butler early on for multiple scores. The Thunder, though, stay in it. Jerry and Grant with a nice first quarter slam to give OKC a seven-point advantage in the first. Patrick Patterson continues to be a solid pickup. While he's not getting the headlines of everybody else, he has become a nice passer who can find Mello and Paul George and stretch out the offense. Mello running quite a bit with the second unit, tying them to the first unit pretty nicely. Once Westbrook comes back in, though, he takes over with the rest of the first unit. Usually that's been what uh, the rotation has been for OKC up to now. OKC goes up nine in the second when Russ drives and is blocked by Towns, leading to a nice fast break and one finished by Wiggins on the other end. Minnesota's defense has been tight, as we expected, but they're really starting to execute. Head into the half tied, but the third was really characterized by a bunch of lead changes. It was a close game. Towns was dominant inside, especially when Adams was on the bench, but Butler really became the leader on both ends of the floor for Minnesota. They really missed his energy when he was out the past two games. To go to the fourth, Minnesota just frankly fought harder, defensively not giving away any good shots. And OKC had a type of team to hit everything, including bad shots, but if you can limit open shots for them, it's huge and it gives you a shot. It really, game came down to an OKC opportunity, down three, the ball goes to Anthony, who took the last shot and came up short. Butler, 25 points, nine in the final four minutes, Teague with 16 and 10 assists, and Towns with 33, 19 rebounds and four blocks. Westbrook had 27, nine assists and eight rebounds, and Anthony added 23. It's the second time this week that the Wolves have edged the Thunder. Thunder finished 116, Wolves 119. Thunder still gelling and are going to need a little bit more against good defensive teams. Wizards at the Warriors also on Friday. Wizards jump out in the first. Otto Porter with a nice three-point in transition. Wizards, like many teams, have followed the Warriors and working on that sort of semi or half transition offense where you, you come down, you're not necessarily sprinting to the basket, but you don't allow the defense to get set to respond to you. John Wall, also huge in the first, driving and finishing as well as driving and kicking, continues to be on a revenge tour for those who doubt him, especially in nationally televised games. Into the first half, Draymond and Bradley Beal get tangled up. Draymond gives an elbow to get position. Beal basically goes into full WWE mode on him. They spill into the crowd. A couple of Wizards players leave the bench and come join. Otto Porter throws some punches, mostly hitting John Wall. Generally just a fracas. In the end, Draymond and Beal were both ejected. Fines came today, as well as suspensions for the two who left the bench. Wizards go up into the half, though, 97-53. Third quarter, more Wizards. Oubre was hot. The Warriors just really seemed out of it. They were missing the energy from Draymond as well as getting some poor shooting from Steph and from Durant. Warriors, though, regrouped. Came out in the fourth, made a run we were sort of expecting and waiting on. Curry heated up. Durant heated up. It sort of chipped away at the lead. That being said, the key for them was their bench unit. Omri Caspi, huge. Finding his place with the team for sure after some preseason injuries. Otto Porter kept the Wizards in it, but... Kevon Looney really came up big. Again, the story being Caspi Looney, that bench unit, all night. The shooters were cold. The bench guys bailed them out through the, the stretch, that first part of the fourth, to whittle down that Wizards lead. Wizards down three at the end when Wall sidesteps, gets an open look at a three to tie. doesn't fall. The Warriors, though, grab the rebound and tip it out of bounds. So one more chance. Jody Meeks gets a baseline three, but again, comes up short. 
Durant finishes with 31, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. Curry with 20 and 8 assists. Doesn't sound like a bad night, but they were not efficient. Draymond, 6 assists, 3 points, 3 rebounds, 3 blocks before being ejected. For the Wizards, Wall with 20 and 14 rebounds. Oubre with 19. Gortat with 18. Wizards 117, Warriors 120. A rally from down as many as 18 for the Warriors. To Saturday and the Cavs visiting the Pelicans. Anthony Davis returns to the lineup after being out, uh, after his injury. LeBron looked really great early, spreading out the defense and streaking to the rim. We don't see him do that often, where he now has moved into that point guard role, but he really takes the ball to the hole after spreading everybody out. You have to respect both parts now. Anthony Davis throughout was dominant in this game. Off of LeBron's post-up miss, he gets the rebound, dribbles full court through traffic, finishes with a pretty layup. Drew Holiday also hot, hitting spot-up threes off some nice ball movement from the Pelicans. New Orleans on the night shot 42% from three. Etwan Moore, another beneficiary of that great shooting. A crazy play in the second where the ball touched all five players twice, led to a wide-open baseline three for him to give Pelicans a 13-point lead. Dwayne Wade for the Cavs had a nice little night. A little behind the back uh, dribble to a fadeaway in the second. He finished with 15. The second half... Back and forth, but the Pelicans really seem stronger. Kevin Love heated up, boxes out Davis for the board, just saunters back to the three-point line and nails it. He was five for six, including a semi-transition three from LeBron assist when the Pelicans just sort of let him hang out there. It's not something they can do against better teams that are shooting a little bit better. As Love heated up, though, so did Boogie Cousins. He took Thompson to school, finished at the rim, went at Love. Really, all of his game coming to play tonight. And Davis complimented him well. Cleaned up when he missed, hit from outside, gave him that one-two punch that he's really needed throughout his career. Deep into the fourth, Cousins just too much. He was scoring, was facilitating, the Cavs had no answer. Cavs are going to have to figure out how to make this unit work. It seems like too many pieces. They don't know how they fit together. They don't know where to play guys. It's an interesting group of guys, and even with their injuries, it's going to be trouble, I think, until they can get that figured out. Cousins, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. Nice triple-double from him. Davis with 30 and 14 rebounds in his return. Holiday, we mentioned a great night from him, 29 points and 7 assists. For the Cavs, Love had 26 with 11 rebounds, LeBron with 18 and 8 assists. Cavs 101, Pelicans 123. And the Cavs, they're going to need to regroup. Saturday, Rockets at Memphis. Harden, a big night. He started strong, assists to Ryan Anderson for threes, driving, scoring, getting the fouls. It looked like a normal game. Memphis, though, stayed in it and then were able to stretch it early, especially with their second unit. Jarrell Martin, nice dunk off the steal, puts Memphis up three midway through the second. And then less than a minute later, Martin put them up five with a putback dunk. Really energy plays that were key to that second unit and really gave them space that they needed. Chandler Parsons, generally speaking, has struggled as a Grizzly, but Saturday night was really a coming out night for him. Uh, third quarter in particular featured a couple from outside and then a fake as the defender was closing into him and a drive past him and a dunk past two other defenders. Harden for the night started strong and it looked like it was going to be a good night, but it really was not. He went 6 from 19 from the field on the night, just kept chasing a shot that really had just escaped him. He, he finished with zero points in the fourth and you can't do that as a leader. Fourth, all Memphis, maintained a double-digit lead throughout and spread the Rockets out, leaving guys like Chalmers wide open. The bench unit for Memphis, really the key on the night, 67 points compared to 25 for the Rockets. Parsons finishes with 24, Chalmers with 15 and 4 assists. Their two leading scorers, both bench guys. 
For the Rockets, Harden with 20 and 8 assists, Anderson with 22 and 7 rebounds, and Capella had a nice night, 12 and 12. Rockets, 89, Grizzlies, 103. Grizzlies finished the week in first place in the West, 5 and 1. And finally to Sunday, Spurs at the Pacers. Spurs looking for a bounce back after getting blown out by the Magic. Aldridge started hot. He's been a real bright spot in Kawhi's absence after signing his big contract extension. And he's going to be the key, probably, to pushing them through this this period without Kawhi. Pacers, though, really have played well. Bogdanovich hits in transition. He seems to finally be getting his footing in the NBA, getting his shot. Sabonis been a real bright stress. Sabonis been a real bright spot, stretching the floor, and when he's on, this team has a lot of potential. This was a low-scoring game going into the fourth, but things would heat up. Spurs scoring in transition, Rudy Gay scoring through contact. He continues to impress in a system-oriented offense. He's not the isolation player he always has been. Spurs were up four halfway through the fourth when Aldridge cleans up for Murray and won. Oladipo immediately, though, put the paces on his shoulders. He hits from three, drives to the basket for the end one in the next play. Spurs answer, but the game comes down to an Oladipo three with 10 seconds left. Gives the Spurs one final chance. Popovich, a great out-of-timeout play. Gets the Spurs a great final look, but they can't hit the open three. Oladipo with 23 points, 5 assists. Sabonis with 22 and 12 rebounds. Bogdanovich with 15 and 8 rebounds. Aldridge finishes with 26 points and 8 rebounds. Gasol with 17, 7 rebounds and 5 assists. Spurs 94, Pacers 97. Pacers get the win at home and go to 3-3. Elsewhere throughout the league, Friday we had Nets 87, Knicks 107, Porzingis with 30 in the blowout. Rockets 109, Hornets 93. Harden had a triple-double on Friday night to lead Houston to the victory. Spurs 87, Magic 114 in the before-mentioned Magic blowout. Fournier led the Magic in that run. Nuggets 105, Hawks 100. Jokic finished with 18 and 15 rebounds. And Raptors 101, Lakers 92. Lowry with a triple-double out in L.A. Saturday, Celtics 96, Heat 90. That's the fourth straight win for the Celtics after their rough start. Thunder 101, Bulls 69, Westbrook with a triple-double in the blowout. Sixers 112, Mavericks 110, Ben Simmons, a standout play for Philadelphia. He's starting to come into his own. And Lakers 81, Jazz 96, Rubio with a nice night, 21-7 assists. Suns 107, Trailblazers 114, Lillard with 25 points, falls just short of the triple-double. And Pistons 95, Clippers 87, 15 points and 17 rebounds from Drummond led the Pistons to get their their win, which was LA's first loss. Sunday, Bucks with 117, Hawks 106, Giannis had 33 and 11 rebounds, Nuggets 124, 111 over the Nets, Murray coming into his own as the Nuggets get the road win, Wizards 110, Kings 83, Wall with 19 and 9, Magic 113, Hornets 120, Kimball Walker 34 in the win over the surging Magic. Knicks 114, Cavs 95. The Cavs continue to struggle as Tim Hardaway finishes with 34 to come off his slump. And Pistons 115, Warriors 107. The Warriors gave up a 14-point lead at home for the loss. We're going to take another break, and we'll come back to close things out. Welcome back. 
Right now, normally we would be joined by Uncle Pete, and uh, we are not going to be joined by Uncle Pete this evening. Uncle Pete has been taken ill and uh, is doing much better. Many of you have noticed that we've been off for about a week, uh, taking care of him, making sure everything's okay. We're happy to be back. We know he's listening and will soon be back to join us. Um, Uncle Pete represents something very important. He represents a link to the past in this game. You know, as an older gentleman who grew up watching Pistol Pete and Oscar and guys like that, the arguments exist over which of them was the best and how they compare to the current uh, amazing players that we have in the league. We talk about how the Kentucky Colonels compare to these Warriors, how the Bulls of the 90s are so much better than the Warriors now. Those are the kind of people that we want to be part of this, people who've seen a lot, have expert opinions. We don't always agree with them, but who know the game inside and out. He grew up in Indiana. He loved Indiana basketball and still argues for it. And it's basketball that really keeps him going. If you ever have a chance to meet him, you'll see his joy for it, his interest in it, and his passion in it is only eclipsed by his joy and passion for his family. So, Uncle Pete... We're glad you're doing better. We're wishing you a full recovery, and we can't wait to have you back. With that, we want to thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being heard tomorrow. You can subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and FeedBurner. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can drop us email at nba at sportsfromthebasement.com if you want to be part of the show. Have a great day, everyone. 